and welcome to this week's edition of the Swans Big Footy Podcast. My name is Bonds and joining me today we have Punts. How are you guys? Swans Rule 100. Evening everyone. And making his Swans Big Footy Podcast debut is Chunky Chicken. Hey everyone. Now we may as well go on to a preview of the match. Um, look, it was a pretty good win. The second half was a bit disappointing but I'm always happy to beat GWS. Especially if it's by over 40 points and when we were thinking it was going to be a bit closer. Swansworth, what are your thoughts on the game? It was a pretty lousy standard of football all around, really. We won it in a half and it's disappointing in one respect that you don't kick on and really annihilate them considering now you've got three teams level on top and we've got the worst percentage. So there's an opportunity missed, but 10 wins in a row, we haven't done that in donkey's year, so I don't think you can be too despondent overall. It's just, you know, you'd, you'd like to continually win every week as well as possible. Um, so I don't really focus too much on the negatives, but I, I could see it was an uninspiring second half. But, I mean, to get Tippett and McGlynn back and get through the game unscathed was good. Um, and to get revenge on those little maggots, upstart maggots too. But, uh, you know, Jonathan Patton's a little upstart turd, so it was good to, to beat them. Um, I thought the highlights, I thought Kieran Jack, even though he saw going into it by the looks of it now he's even more sore he had a really good game and when it was there to be won he probably was the best uh, a couple of people who we sort of take for granted Nick Smith and Kennedy they continue to do their job every week and you almost forget to put them in the best because it's just expected that Kennedy will get his 20 oppositions and Smith will shut down and play his role I thought Grundy and Richards were pretty good on Patton and Cameron though Grundy had a few clangers as usual Pike played his best game for the year Jetta continued his improvement on defence. There's still a massive gap between his best and worst, but that rundown tackle he applied stood in my mind. Some of his tackles are a bit weak, but he's, he's getting better. And, I mean, Franklin does what he wants, and he gets the publicity for the goals and the, the forward play and that run through the middle, but it's really the unsung things he does, that defensive efforts and those chase downs that he doesn't get the credit for that I think are, are really exceptional for someone of his size. Uh, it was Clango City out there, as I'm sure you guys would probably agree. Um, but then, so I watched the Hawthorne Suns game earlier in the day as well, and that was quite similar in its clangers. That was pissing down rain here. But um, the difference, I think, between us and Hawthorne, if there's one thing I'm jealous of, is their ability to crumb and kick goals. Like Luke Bruce has, what, 26 in a row because he kicks from about 10 out every time, and they crumb their forwards. Like we need someone like Jetta or McLean or a Rowan if he comes in, or Jack if he plays a full game, to get those opportunist goals. Uh, the umpiring was like school footy at times, like. It's like playing cricket against your little brother and he gets 20 wickets. That's what it's like playing GWS. And the umpire in full stop this round, I watched about five games, was terrible. Like holding the ball rule, incorrect disposal there, driving me mad at the moment. Um, yeah, that's it. That's just frustrating. And Saturday's games of football were nowhere near as good as today's. Like Dogs Melbourne was quite good and that showdown was actually quite good to watch. So, yeah, it was a rubbish standard, but I think we've shown we can turn it on against the good side. So I'm pretty happy with 10 in a row. Let's keep going. Okay, Junkie Chicken, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, look, I would um, agree to a lot of that, um, that there were quite a quite a few positives and there's a few negatives that came out of the game. Um, I think the overall ball use probably over the last couple of weeks has been a bit concerning in that our, um, well, our handball from the back linking up and chaining has been really good um, and especially generating run, but sometimes we have a tendency to overuse it. But, um, yeah, on... On the GWS game, we were just missing targets by hand 
galore, especially in the second half. And we were really turning the ball over something fierce as well. Um, what I did like about it um, was, again, having Tippett and Franklin um, back in the forward line and how they played together um, with Tippett really acting as a foil to Franklin and Franklin playing higher up the field. And, he, yeah, and definitely his forward line pressure is kind of kind of a bit like um, what McGlynn was doing a couple of years ago. But it's, uh, it's a bit bigger, a bit harder to uh, counteract some guy who's 6'6 and about 100 kilos and throwing you to the ground like a ragdoll. So, um, yeah, look, ha- having those two players back in the forward line is definitely a bonus, especially with the fact that key defender has to go to Tippett and then the second best has to go to Franklin. Um, so, yeah, we won. That's a, it's a good win. Should have won by more. Um, but, yeah, that, that's really my thoughts on the game. Okay, Hans, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was I was at the game live, and just just our turnovers, as as you guys have said, were just um, I don't know, might have been a bit more noticeable noticeable at the game. We just seemed to put ourselves under a lot of pressure. I know uh, when we get a handball game going, it and it's going well, it comes off beautifully, and it just it tears um, other sides to bits, but. Just um, sometimes we just overuse the ball, like we just go backwards, 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 or we sideways, sideways, sideways. When we can just go forward, I don't know how many times we went from, um, you know, running off the half back and uh, linked up and linked up and went into the forward line um, with a mark. It just seemed just seemed scrappy every time we kicked goals. It was just you know from a stoppage or something like that. It wasn't clinical football. If you know, if if you know what I mean. It was just um, a lot scrappy and we just seemed to put ourselves under a lot of pressure. Um, I think if it was a, a decent side, I know the game was pretty much finished halfway through the second quarter sort of thing, but if it was a decent side, I reckon we would have got hurt on rebound, um, you know, far more. GWS didn't take their opportunities when they when they could get us on the turnover. I think a side like Hawthorne, you know, your Geelongs will hurt you a lot more than that. Um, Franklin for 198 centimetre. Uh, 100-kilo-plus guy to be putting on the defensive pressure. He does, as I said, I was at the game, and he's run down tackles, and it wasn't just where he ran from. It wasn't as if he was five steps away from um, whoever was running down. He was he was 15 metres away, and he was running and chasing hard. It was it was something else. Now, that goal that he kicked uh, running through the centre, I was right in front of that. And for a, He is a, seriously a, a one-in-a-lifetime player. For a guy that moves that quick, he, he ran past that pack like Dangerfield and that. Like, he just split them to bits and for a guy of his size to be able to do that like I know people talk Carey and all these other gun centre half forwards um, but no one is athletic as Franklin and they might never will be it's just unbelievable how the guy moves and obviously it's you know his form's just the last five six weeks it's just you know turned around immensely he's, he's, he's um defensive you know obviously uh, the goals the goals will come but it's just his defensive pressure is Unbelievable and nearly, nearly almost the best in the forward line. That's you know that's the smalls as well. He's almost better than them. I thought uh, Kieran Jack's game was um, very good. I think he had twenty odd disposals to half time. He was in and under and, and he was getting the clearances. They had push forward, kicked a couple of goals, which was you know good on good on the birthday boy. Um, I thought. Uh, Malcheski was good at times. He also turned over the ball a little bit. I thought his run and carry off half back um, with 27 disposals. He was still going at 80%. So he was um, he was really good. I thought uh, 
after a slow or after a bit of a down game last week for uh, Jake Lloyd. Um, you know, a lot of young kids could have just dropped their head. You know, he didn't have the best game against Richmond, but he actually played very well. Um, he had 20-odd disposals. Yeah, he missed a couple of targets going forward, but his, his, his pressure that he put on around the ball was... Um, was really really good and another another young kid in Harry Cunningham too he had another 17 disposal 80 80 percent I know a lot of people say he goes backwards all the time it's only 15 meter kicks but you know what I mean he makes a right he right he makes the right decision you know anyone else could just bomb away and send it to the boundary line or send it to an outnumbered contest so he makes a right choice all the time and he had seven marks as well so he's he's obviously um you know, he's running real hard to get to create space for himself. He's not the tallest bloke to so to take seven marks, you've got to be able to, you are running hard across the ground to, to get to the ball. Um, there was a little bit of niggle. Uh, I don't know if, obviously I haven't watched the replay on TV, but there's a lot of niggle on going on behind the behind the scenes, I don't know, with McVeigh and even Jetta got fired up at one stage, which was um which was good to see. And a couple of time, a couple of his tackles, three or four tackles that were good run down tackles. I know he's He's off and on all the time, but I guess we're going to have to expect that with Jetta now. I think everyone wants him to get back to his 2000 form, but it's a whole, it's a totally different role. He was playing high half forward in 2000. Now he's on the wing. He's pushing in defence. So, you know, I mean, he's not kicking the goals, but, you know, I mean, I'd probably almost rather him what he's doing now, giving us drive off the wing. I still think he can run and carry it a bit more, but obviously that's a confidence issue. I don't think that's anything to do with injury or he's not as quick as he was and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully he keeps going the way he is. I thought Ted Richards' first quarter, a um, couple of them smothers he did on Cameron were just really set up the game. He just knew that, well, you know, he was on and to keep, you know, Cameron's all Australian last year. So he done a good job on him. And also Heath Grundy, a couple of little handball issues, you know, fadeaways. Um, you know, sometimes a little bit of LeBron James goes into his head. But um, other than that, he was... He was really good. A couple of efforts jumping in front of um, uh, Patton, you know, was good. I thought he, I thought he actually won the battle of Patton, considering round one Patton uh, gave him a bit of a, a bit of a bath. So that was good to see him um, get back. Lukey Parker, thirty possessions. Um, just the midfield altogether, I thought were a little bit, and they had the possessions up, you know, from previous weeks, but they all went at about fifty-five to sixty percent um, uh, accuracy. So. It's not, you know, it's probably not the greatest. Obviously, a lot of that would have been contested, so you can sort of maybe half that, three-quarter of that, but still there was a lot of passes that just got cut off. McGlynn was good. His attack on the ball was just as just as good as it has been the whole year. You know, coming back, he was a little bit rusty, a couple out in the fools and missed a couple of targets. But other than that, um, he'll be he'll be good. But other than that, you know, it was good to get the four points. As you said, we put it away in the, the second quarter. Um, and after that, we sort of... Um, you know, moved on, but that's enough of my rant. We'll uh, move on to the next next piece. Look, um, one player I did actually want to bring up, and I'm surprised no one actually brought him up in their review. I thought Jeremy Laidlow actually had one of his better games for the club on the weekend. It's really... He's good in the contest. His ability to cut in front and help with an overhead spoil on both Cameron and Patton was quite important on the weekend. And his rebound up the ground has improved immensely since the start of the year. We're all worried about his disposal and his speed, but it doesn't seem to really be affecting him at the moment. Uh, Chunky, do you have any thoughts on Laidler's season at the moment? Yeah, look, I agree with you. Um, I thought I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good pickup, actually. We got him on a really low wage when we got him from Carlton. And he did have a, um, a pretty good season for Carlton a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I was really happy to get him. And uh, his first couple of games were a bit dodgy. 
kind of thought, you know, if um if it was between him and Rampy, um, for when AJ comes back, then it will probably be Rampy. This is probably like the first couple of weeks when the whole team was down. Um, but watching him play now, he's just been really, really good, really solid down back, really consistent. Doesn't miss many targets. Um, he cuts in front all the time. Good distributor, breathes the ball really well. So why the hell Carlton got rid of him? I do not know. You watch them play these days. They don't really play that well. And they got rid of a pretty good defender. Um, another player that we haven't really talked about is Pike. And um, I was really happy with his game. Last week, not so good. Um, kind of looked like he was pretty unfit and not really ready for it. But he... Uh, he dominated Mumford. He absolutely destroyed him, and I think, I think Mumford still won the hitouts. Oh, Mumford he might have won the hitouts, hit outs, but, but Pike had more of an impact, in my opinion. Yeah, they both um, didn't kick a well, goal. Oh, I don't. Nah, I think they were pretty even. Look, I, wouldn't say I, I Mumford think dominated. them being even going to the match would have been a good thing for us. Like I'm gonna, Pike did a great job negating Mumford. If anything, yeah. Mumford couldn't get. Like, a lot of G... When the matches that GWS have won this year, Mumford has been instrumental to their strong performances. So the fact that he was negated to, I think it was only, like, five disposals... Eight disposals on the weekend, and he didn't seem to be really at his bollocking best, it gives a lot of credit to Pike. They couldn't get that extra large presence around the ground, so the big man deserves a round of applause. Well, Mumford's away... Sorry, player than yeah, Mumford's a, clearly a better ruckman than Pike head to head. So to break out even, as you say, that's a win to Pike essentially. And they didn't really get any drive from the clearances or anything. I don't know what the numbers were off the top of my head, but I didn't. You know, as you said, he's been instrumental when they win. And I thought Pike shut him down. He didn't star or anything, but I thought given what he did last week and the amount of time he was able to spend on the ground, that was a big tick for him. Especially when he, you know, Derek's did get dropped so he could stay in as the number one ruck. So. Yeah, I'm happy with that going forward. I think Reed's picked up the slack a bit as well. Fairly, fairly good. He's not as you know useless as he was at the start, so so it's helping out and chopping out a bit. Yeah, I'd still like to see him do a bit more around the ground, but he's he's playing all right. Yeah, I'm being happy with Reed's last few weeks. He's been handy, especially around like if we need a third man up around the ground or just yeah, that's it. Space, is handy and well. he's all right, but he he never stars and he doesn't. I think he could be so much better as a player, but he's handy. He's a good, contrib- good, honest contributor, but he doesn't kick a few goals or he doesn't get as many marks as he could. I expect a little bit more from him in the next few years. Personally. I liken him a bit to um, Westhoff from Port Adelaide. He's playing a very similar role. Oh, Westhoff from Port Adelaide's elite, though. Like Westhoff's had an amazing season this year, and he was strong last year as well. Part on oh, no. Reed isn't quite at his level yet. I, I'm just waiting for Reed to be made into a defender, have to play in defence for an entire game. That's when we're going to see him at his best. He's almost playing a role at the moment, whereas he's just a tall midfielder. He's coming off the square. I watched him on the weekend. He's coming off the centre square and um, going straight into the stoppages. And he's actually not leaving the stoppages and going back out. He's actually staying around the stoppages because he is so big and... Um, yeah, it's a funny role Reed's playing. He's sort of just given a bit of a um, bit of a wild card, you know what I mean? Just a you do what you want sort of thing, go where you want, and, which is good. As you said, if he drops into defence and, and helps out, I think uh, this week he'll have to drop in defence against um, West Coast. So, as you said, I think um, 
a lot of people have said that he, you know, he'd be a lot better as a centre half back to stay there full time. He he does seem to when he goes down there, he reads the ball well and he just looks comfortable down there. So I guess you never know. It's just it's all it's all trial and error. He's still only twenty two. He's got plenty of time to show at either end. Well, yeah. if the scores are tight with less than two minutes to go, you you know where to park him straight down <laughs> yeah. in the goal Easier man, yeah. that's for sure. Now, puns. So actually, we'll go on to the next subject now. I wanted you were there to watch the reserves this weekend. Would you be able to give us your thoughts on it? Yeah, I watched the reserves. Um, obviously, it was it was um, low scoring until half time. I think it was only uh, forty apiece at half time, and then Rowan was pretty much knocked out cold in the late the second quarter. He 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 got up, but he was trying to play the game, and I don't know what he was thinking. He was out of it, that was for sure. And then Lear went off halfway through the second quarter as well, and didn't come back on. And they took Membray off as the emergency for the seniors, so they were down to. Uh, one on the bench, so obviously in the second half they end up getting done by 40. Um, so you could, you know, no excuses, but they were, they were literally down to one on the bench. So um, from what I, from the reserves that I've seen the, the last few weeks, uh, Lewis Robert Thompson's best game, I've probably seen him actually play this year um, from seniors and the seconds. He, he played at full back and he played on Boyd. Boyd didn't didn't make an impact at all and, and LRT actually played really well he looked he looked a lot fitter he was running and, and, and that sort of thing so that was good to see I've always said that I think he's a better defender than he's forward um, Tommy Mitchell got I think at 20 odd possessions um, obviously around the clearances he was good he was good once again but Toby Green gave him a bit of a bit of a touch up they were on each other and Toby got 40 possessions and yeah he gave Mitchell a bit of a bit of a touch up um, uh, Shane Biggs was best on by an absolute country mile um, off half back he got about 30 I think he got 30 plus and just I don't know if he hit if he missed a, a missed the target by foot he just he's like Malcheski but a right footer um, when Malcheski's on he just he doesn't miss a target he, he played really well and I would just wish he was on the main list because I think he'd get a game at the moment um, with Shaw being out but oh well that's the way it goes who else was good um, Towers did a couple of good things um, run down tackles in his first game back um, which was good to see uh, Tommy Walsh at centre half back actually played reasonably well. Also, um, who else? Any other any other players I haven't brought up that you're interested in? What about the old man Ryan O'Keefe? Now O'Keefe did he did well, but um, a couple of times he he turned it over, and you know what? Yeah, he's just just turned still still turning the ball over with his high high bombers. But he got he was in you know it's just normal Ryan O'Keefe. In and under tackle, and just the old Ryan O'Keefe himself. Um, Matthew Dick actually played pretty well off the halfback as well. Um, yeah, Dick he's in. Okay. yeah, Dick in. So he played all right. But besides that, it was a bit of a bit of a piling on um, uh, what an from GWS. Robinson? Sorry, Robinson. Uh, yeah, Robinson was good. A um, bit lower stats than he than he normally have. Um, not as not as instrumental as he was. Obviously, in the first in the first half, um, Membre was a, was a little bit quiet, but he, he pushed up to the midfield again, like he has been doing. It was an interesting. He's been playing. He's been sort of playing centre half forward and really pushing up into the middle, sort of sort of like Sam Reid, but with taking the defence side out of it. Um, he's been playing that sort sort of role. But they put their best backman on him. They put Plowman on him um, because he is in that good of form at the moment. You know, his previous five weeks have been. I surprised he hasn't. As I said, if Adam Goods wasn't playing, it'd have to be Membre because he's just um, the last four or five weeks has just been. And he's and he's from when I seen him at the start of the year, uh, he was lazy, 
and always had the talent to take a mark and a kick, but now he's actually running hard up and down the ground, taking marks, and his defensive pressure's turned around since when I sent him in round one until now. His defensive pressure, he's just, he's just so obviously his fitness, they had a, he had an issue with his fitness at the start of the year. He's obviously rectified that, and he's um, putting on an immense um, def, you know, forward pressure, So, which is good to see. I hope, they, um, I hope he does get a game, but as you know, it's hard at the moment with, with the forwards in there. Uh, and the last player I just wanted to ask about, or uh, uh, two more, I'd like to know about Towers and Nankervis. Yeah, Towers in his first game back was good in the first half, laid a couple of good tackles, missed the goal, then kicked another one. His defensive pressure was good, and he is real, like, for a 189-centimetre bloke, he's he's got elite speed. So in his first game back, after three weeks out, he was you know, a little bit rusty in the second half, might, might not have been out of run out. And so who was the second one? Nankervis. Nan Curvis, um, uh, he took a couple of um, good marks, but besides that, he was pretty quiet. Um, Naismith, um, for how big that bloke is, he'd have to be one of the most. He's gifted athletically. He's just some of his rundown tackles on the weekend were just phenomenal. He's really, really athletic. If he can get his body right, he seems to you know play six games and get injured for three. And if he can get his body right, I actually. I really rate him. He's um, very athletic and some of his defensive acts. He's not quite like Mumford around the packs, but he's really, really quick, um, you know, to get to get onto a tackle and stuff like that. So I reckon he could become a good player if they, if they stick with him and they can, you know, obviously I think this might be his second year on the rookie list now. I don't know what they're expecting to do next year. So, but um, uh, yeah, that's about, that's about as much as the twos. Okay, now we may as well go on to um, this week. There's been a fair bit of controversy in the Victorian media, in particular, as started by one very overweight, snobbish Collingwood supporter. Um, our academy is getting a bit of a blast. I wanted to ask um, just for your thoughts on it, guys. Like, I honestly can't see the fuss that they're making about it. It's we need to grow the game in New South Wales. That's the main thing, and we're still not getting these kids for free. Uh, Punts, um, you've been watching the under-18s and the TAC, but TAC Cup as well as me. Um, how highly do you rate Heaney and Mills? Um, Heaney, I'd say, uh, I know some people say he's in the top five in the midfield. I'd almost go to say that he's the best. From what from the games that I've seen, um, I know they're different. Um, as in, maybe the levels a little bit a little bit different. The game that um, Heaney played last week against uh, Northern Territory, he actually he had odd thirty odd possessions, blah blah blah. But and I watched the TAC on Friday, and out of if you were to see standout midfielders, I reckon he's the best midfielder in the draft. And from what I've heard. Um, all the commentaries on him they've also said that he's probably the best midfielder in the draft he's just he's tall he's quick he plays inside out like Hanabry and as I seen him two three weeks ago he played for the seconds um, the Sydney reserves and I watched him there and you know obviously that's a little bit downgrade that league too but it was also against men and he also and he played really well in that game too he looks I think he's 80 odd kilos so he's he's body body wise he's ready to go he doesn't have to develop um and as I said he's he's also tall I think he might be 186 seven centimeters something like that um so he's very tall inside out game uses the ball very well can take a mark um push forward um kick goals 
you know, I mean, Mills kicks a little bit more goals than him, but um, I think Sydney are going to be very happy getting him and Mills next season. Obviously, you know, you never know what's going to happen with them if they're going to become guns or not. But from from all reports and from what I've seen, um, that you know, I think he's going to be. I don't think you know, being a star at AFL is anything passing, which is a big call. But you're just going to have to wait till they come on. But he's definitely going to be a gun, and also. Ab Davis too. I seen him uh, three weeks ago. Set in the twos, and they put him centre half back, centre half forward, and he did a role at both ends. So he could come in as a bit of a, a bit of a swingman. I think he's a bit, he's um, spet same. Abe Davis right now would probably be so. Yeah, 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 and he looks like he's going to be a bit of a player too, which is good. So we could get um, Davis and Heaney this year, and Mills next year. Dunk. Um, so I'm pretty confident he got a pretty good midfield going forward and a developing centre half forward, centre half back. It's going to be interesting, actually. Like just thinking about it in my phantom draft at the moment, I'd probably have if Heaney was on the open market. Like if he was on the open market, he'd probably. I know people are saying he's a top three pick at the moment. I think he'd probably go at number four. I, I can't yeah. see. Um, Look, GWS are going to take either... Like, whoever's got the bottom selection, whether it's GWS, St. Kilda, or Brisbane, it's going to be McCartan or Wright. The only thing... Oh, that definitely. It's, it's going to... The only reason yeah. it wouldn't be McCartan would be because of the diabetes. Um, yeah. At selection three, it's hard to go by Durden. Like, and not to mention, all three of those clubs will need a key position defender. So, it's going to be hard to go by there. That after this, it'd be really hard to split. Um, the only midfielder in a draft that could potentially be at Heaney's level would be Brayshaw from Sandringham Dragons, but I still think Heaney's just a more all-round footballer. And the space, the thing that's really impressed me about Heaney this year at under-18s level is the amount of space he can find in traffic. He seems yep. just to have a couple of extra seconds on everybody around him. He can have three or four players near him and he'll manage to get through them. It's almost Pendlebury-like at times. It's He might need to improve his disposal efficiency a little in the future, but he looks scary. He's going to be very good. And as many midfielders as we've got coming through our team at the moment, it really wouldn't surprise me if he's starting 18 next year. Yeah. It's, it does I, look- it, I can understand why Maguire would be... Like, it's not going to get removed, but we are getting a bargain in this draft. There is no doubt about it. I can't make an accurate assessment on Mills yet, but he's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, well, if, if as you said, if Mills on the, I mean, sorry, Heaney was on the open market, there's no way in the world that he'd get through to our pick. No, um, he'd be I know top five, guaranteed. That, that, that he'd probably go at number four, five, something like that. Obviously, the key position players are going to go before him if that's what the other clubs are looking looking for, but... To be honest, if I reckon if Melbourne had the number one pick, I reckon he'd be taking it. He'd yeah. almost be taking it one or two. Which it, it um, depends on the club. Like I wouldn't rule out maybe a club like if GWS had the number one pick, I wouldn't rule them out actually taking another midfielder because they've got key forwards. Like yeah, you, you that, almost, that's you what almost, I mean. Yeah. You almost bring in Durden going up the draft because he can play key defender. Yeah, and that's and, probably what they need most on their list right now. But. Yeah. He'd be yeah. right up there. It really depends. It's an open year. 
Yeah, and as you said, he plays. That's the good thing about him. He plays inside and out. It's almost sort of Hanbury, Hanbury like um, the way he plays inside well, and out. As much as I love Hanbury and he's been a star, I think Andy's got more potential than him. Mm. Yeah, I, oh. that, that, that sounds insane, and people listening to this podcast are probably going to be throwing things at their computer screen. But Andy's going to be ridiculous. It's get excited, guys, because we haven't had a kid come to this ones like this in years. And the thing is, he's a, he's a tall midfielder. Which is exactly what we need. I, uh, yeah. How, how big is he now? He's nearly, um, he'd be 186, 187 right now. Yep. Jeez, oh, it's going to be scary. Look, we may as well go on to the preview of the next match. we got West Coast this weekend. Uh, Chunky Chicken, you may as well get us started. What are your thoughts on the West Coast game? Uh, look, I'm looking forward to another routine win. I'm going to be honest, we... Um as far as my memory serves, we haven't lost to them since I think 2007 or 2008. And that was um, at the tail end of the uh, famous rivalry when um, I think it was the uh, Ben Cousins game when they broke the uh, the streak of like one point and, and whatnot. So since then, I'm pretty sure we've won almost every single game I've played against them. Um, for Inns, I'm not too sure who's actually going to come in. I mean, you were saying before, Roman... Um, suffered concussion in the uh, in the second so I'm not sure he'd make it in but um, yeah as for ins I'm not too sure outs not too sure so I'd imagine the team will probably stay the same um, pretty good matchups you're looking at a Richards Kennedy matchup which would be pretty good um, I think they've got a couple of danger danger players like McGovern's popped up every now and again um, you've got Lacroix who will probably get mined by Smith or um, maybe someone like Rampy so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Wish I was over there, to be honest, because it is cold in Melbourne. Okay, so once all, your thoughts on the West Coast game? Uh, <clears throat> to me, I've, I've actually watched a bit of West Coast lately, including the Derby, which they could have won, to be fair. But to me, they're just a side that dominates the hitouts. I think they're like third in the hitouts, they don't, and they don't concede them. But they don't, they don't get a lot of the ball. They don't tackle much. They don't apply much pressure, and they don't take many marks. They just... They're there. They're all, sometimes they've even resembled witches' hats in the game. Like that game against Geelong, which is actually a few weeks ago, they were pathetic in that game. So if they dish up that sort of rubbish and we apply our good, consistent pressure, it should be a routine win. They've got a potentially dangerous forward line, but they need delivery to make it work. Um, Prittis and Co., a lot of those midfielders, they're average plotters with poor disposal efficiency. I know sometimes we're a poor disposal efficiency team, but... I think we get a lot more of the ball, and I think our pressure will win out in the end. Um, looking at Dean Cox, who I've rated the, like the best ruckman I've seen since Simon Madden. Um, he's gone a bit limp these days. I don't think he's got much left to offer. And the only issue is probably that home ground advantage, and we've shown Subiaco or Patterson's, whatever it's called these days, doesn't bother us too much against them, as soon as they haven't come to Sydney since about 2010, I think. So I'm pretty confident we'll win. I wouldn't see any changes. I think only Hanovery and Shaw are... Best 22 certs out of the people who are out when they're fit. And um, neither of them I would expect to be fit this week. So I, I think um, we have to be pretty confident going to this one. Yeah, we've had a bit of a down form lately, but down form and winning is a sign of a good side for me. So I expect the streak to get to 11 this week and bring on Carlton. Okay, it's one's. Oh, sorry. Um, Punts, what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I reckon it'll be an interesting game. Obviously, um Hanbury seems to tear up West Coast every time he goes out. I don't know if it's a bigger ground and just gets off the leash. And, but um, he'll be a big miss this week. Um, I don't think 
there probably won't be any changes. I'd like to see um, Biggs come in off the half-back to give Malczewski a chop out. I just think that Malczewski, when he doesn't have a sure another running half-back in the side, he, he, he cops a lot of attention. Um, I know Jones is, Jones is the other running half-back, but let's remember that he's played a game and a half and he's going to focus on defending before he's uh, before he's going to attack. So I just thought I wouldn't mind seeing, say, Brandon Jack go out um, for... Um, Biggs, Biggs come in, play off halfback, and Jones go to sub. It won't happen because I don't think they'll upgrade. I think the side will probably stay the same. What I was interested in, um, I don't know if what your guys' thoughts was. I hate it, obviously. I don't want it to happen. Do you think they'll bring two Ruckman in to play against Cox and Nat Nui? No. Because... No, I know Cox is almost finished, um, but is Pike going to be able to go against? Um, I, I don't want to say it. No way in the world. I'd rather throw Tippett in Tippett in the ruck than have Derricks in the side and have a run, another runner in the side. But um, uh, will they go with two rucks against Nat Nui and um, and Cox? Wasn't it um, Pike and LRT last year? No, it was Mumford and uh, they had Mumford, Tippett, oh, and right, yep. um, Pike right. in the side last year. Yep. Look, I, I can't see it happening. We're going to lose the uh, hitouts no matter what. Yes. There is, there is no point in bringing in an extra tall justified to lose the tours. They win the well hitouts, the but they, they don't get their hands on the ball, so who cares? Natanui does nothing around the ground. There's no issue to me. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. There's no issue with it. I, they're going to get hit out to advantage. That's fine. But as long as our midfielders are on our game... And we've traditionally played Patterson, Simmons, whatever the hell stadium it's called, pretty well. I, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think it's actually going to be an easier victory for us next week than it was this weekend. Mm. Yeah. May as well go on to sure thing and worst nightmare. Swan's rule? Um, my sure thing is in the lead-up to the game, they'll mention the 05-06 classic games in the, the preview and... Um, I'll say that Nick Nat will take less than five marks because I've never seen a more overrated, useless player around the ground than Nick Nat Anui. Um, do you want the doomsday? And yeah, whatever. doomsday. Worst nightmare. Uh, look, my doomsday is probably that Punts doesn't call it a danger game. That would make me worried if he didn't think we had some chance of losing the game. So hopefully he's, he's a bit concerned and we'll win like we normally do. Uh, and most at stake. Do we do that or have I stolen that from that show? Anyway, we'll do it now. Um, I'd say that Adam Simpson has the most state because wasn't West Coast meant to be a top four threat this year with their draw? And every time I watch them, they look worse each week. So I think they'll we'll do them. But it'll probably be like the GWS game, a win where we go, oh, we could have won by more. We win by about 30 or so. So comfortable win. Um, yeah, just sit back and enjoy and plan for the Carlton game. Okay. Junkie Chicken, your worst nightmare and sure thing? All right, I'll start off with a sure thing being... Um... Sounds a bit confident, but I reckon we'll get up by about six goals. That's my sure thing, six goal win. And uh, I'm not going to bet the house on it because I don't have one, but that's what I think my sure thing is going to be. Um, I reckon for my nightmare would be um, probably something something like um, Port Adelaide winning by quite a lot <laughs> and killing us percentage-wise. That would be pretty bad. Because they are playing at home, so um, if we can make up some percentage, we, we're going to really need it. Um, and and at most at stake, um, I reckon it's got to be on North Melbourne, um, especially with their coach, uh, just so inconsistent. 
that if Hawthorne can get the win, that means North Melbourne's chance at top four is completely gone. It's down to pretty much a four-horse race. I wouldn't really include Geelong in that. And um, he'd be getting the heat on him too. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, North Melbourne losing this weekend was probably the highlight of my weekend. And yeah, um, Scott's going to be... He's under a bit of pressure going into this week, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be fun to watch the shows. We might actually not get too much media coverage about us for once. No, I don't think he's under pressure because he seems to be Brayshaw's best friend, so he's probably right. But yeah, who, who else is going to coach that team any differently? There's Their best player's 35. He's still the first one you tag. They're a rubbish team. I don't, that loss to North Melbourne in round four stings more than, just about than the GWS one. And they, you know, Without that win against us, they wouldn't even be in the top eight. I think the Crows are a better side than North Melbourne at the moment. Okay, Punts, your worst nightmare and sure thing? Oh, my worst nightmare is to continually... I know Kieran Jacks, you know, they said he could have come back on, but we really don't want any more injuries. Um, we seem to be losing one every week. I know we got Ben McGlynn and Tippett back, but it's getting to a point now where we need to start getting continuity into the team and the players. Obviously, Tippett missed the first half, as we know, and come back, went out, um, we need to start getting the team, you know, all fit and firing, leading into finals. We don't want to, you know, keep getting injuries here and there. We've lost Shaw. I know they're not big injuries, but um, we just need to, you know, go a few weeks without getting any more injuries and just, uh, yeah, no more injuries. We don't want any more injuries. Um, my, my sure thing is um, Western Australia, buddies from there, um, Paul Blake Brown, from the Eagles, I think Dunny's done his knee on the weekend, which is um, pretty shocking to see because anyone that does an ACL in, you know, it's just a, it's just a shocking injury. Um, and he normally takes Buddy. I think now Buddy, I know he's been playing. He's in good form. I think he's. I think this might be the the big one where he, where he pulls the team really apart because I just can't see. I think McKenzie's going to have to go to um, Tippett. If not, um, I don't know who they're going to put on. They might put Will Schofield on Buddy, and I think Buddy will tear Schofield to bits. They might have to bring Glass uh, back. Who else they got? They might have to put that McGovern back that they've been playing forward at the moment. So I think my sure thing is... Uh, yeah, of course. I don't know. With Brown out, I don't know what they're gonna, how they're gonna do it. Obviously, McGovern has been swingman back and forward. He's obviously not as athletic as Franklin is. If anybody is, I think maybe Will Schofield might be the best matchup um, for him. But I think he'll absolutely tear him to bits in the air, around the ground, everywhere. So I think this might be a massive game from Franklin in front of, um, in front of his home, um, where he's from. So that's my my sure thing is for Franklin to kick um, six six. Interesting, um, Franklin's worst opponent by a mile is actually West Coast, statistically. He's struggled just... on Glass for years. Glass has been mm. a really difficult matchup for him. Yeah, and no and, Glass and, and no Brown. And he struggled against Freo as well, so he hasn't really tossed to be back up before. Nah. I just think now, he will. Now, 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 with them, now they're here with them two players out, I just can't see a matchup. You know, I think he'll tear Schofield to bits, to be honest with you, if they try and put that match up on in the air and around the ground so maybe they put McKenzie to him and put that big McGovern back to Tippett or something like that but then oh, I don't know how they're going to see it but I think this will be um, yeah, a big game from Buddy I reckon this will really stamp it Okay and my sure thing and worst nightmare for the week short thing I think Jake Lloyd will have his best game for the club I think 
the way he runs over the ground and he moves, Subiaco will be a nice fit for him, and he'll pick up from where Hanabri usually leaves off at Subiaco, so Lloyd will get at least 24 disposals. My worst nightmare will actually be Swan's Rule 100 not paying me up from our bet last week. Just wanted to bring it up near the end of the podcast. Twenty dollars, thanks, mate. <laughs> Happily paid. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, um, we may as well go on to. Has anyone got a final prediction for it? Um, punts. Is this the scoreline? Oh, Sydney, Sydney by seven points. Only seven. Yep. Okay. Close game, Kennedy. Kennedy and Franklin, the two big forwards. Okay. I'll, I'll probably say, um, oh, sorry, I know you're going to ask Chunky Chicken, but I'll butt in. Um, <laughs> I, I think I said Swans by 30 odd before, but after the preview, I've decided to up it to 75 because I think we'll just kill, smash the absolute shit out of him. So if Punch thinks 11, I think 70. We'll probably be 40, so somewhere in between. Okay, nice Chunky. one. Well, I've put my sure thing as six goals, so uh, I'll be disappointed if that doesn't get hit as a bare minimum. <laughs> Didn't we win by about six goals last year against them or something? Was it 40, 50 points? Yeah, or something around there, actually. I think it might have been... Yeah, it was 40-something points. And we've been doing that consistently over the last couple of years, too. Yeah, that 2012 win, I always remember, instead of last year's against West Coast, that was a pretty convincing one as well. About 80 points, wasn't it? I think so. I mean, they haven't beaten us for donkey's years, and maybe they're due, so... don't know. Welcome. It'd be pretty disappointing. As for my tip this weekend, I reckon I'll probably go with the Swans by about four goals. I, I think we'll start off the first half on absolute fire, get about a 40-point lead and just coast in the second half as per usual. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Swans Big Footy Podcast. Uh, thank you, Chunky Chicken, for coming on to the show. No problem. Happy to be on. I've been joined by Punts and Swans Rule 100, and thank you and good night.